0: Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sorheden-Nelson. Should abortion be an unassailable right or should it be a crime? These days, it's a burning question in Germany and the United States, as senior producer
1: Dina El-Sayed reports. There were demonstrations at the U.S. Supreme Court last month after the draft of a planned ruling on abortions was leaked. Written by Justice Samuel Alito, it would overturn a landmark ruling that for 49 years has guaranteed women across the United States the right to terminate their pregnancies. If the draft decision becomes law, it's expected at least half of the states will ban or limit abortions. Alito's attack on Roe v. Wade, as the landmark ruling is called, sounded alarm bells in Germany too.
2: So when I when I first heard about that leaked draft, my first reaction was um, goosebumps and terror. Because it's my basic understanding of, of solidarity that I'm, I'm worried about all the people in the states that are um, badly affected by this.
1: That's laura Sovi Dornheim a Green Party activist and feminist who works in tech. The 38-year-old mother of two recently joined Americans protesting the draft decision outside of the U.S. Embassy in Berlin.
2: It was always a topic for me, but when I was in a situation myself, it really hit me that the very basics of our German constitution that uh, says that like human dignity is, is untouchable and cannot be violated, that right was just taken away from me because all of a sudden I was in a situation where The state did not grant me any dignity, did not grant me the right to make my own decisions, but forced me to jump through hoops and like undergo various bureaucratic and emotional obstacles to be able to to have an abortion when I felt it was not the time for me to have a child.
1: Donheim says she was 32 then, In a new relationship and in between jobs, it was her first pregnancy and she found out during a routine visit to the gynecologist.
2: And then just afterwards she asked uh, for a urine sample and then I was waiting and waiting and then she asked me in again and told me I'm pregnant. And I was like, what? It was literally like in one of these really bad nightmares where you think like I have no clue what just happened. Her nightmare
1: didn't end there. Technically, abortions are illegal in Germany. That means women here who decide to terminate their pregnancies have to run a bureaucratic gauntlet with mandatory counseling and a three-day waiting period before they can get an abortion.
2: When I went to that uh, forced consultation, my decision was already um, made. And that waiting period just felt like like a punishment, or like a burden, like you're, you're doing this and... Uh, We, the the man who made this law, think it's wrong, so um, we want to make it as unpleasant for you as possible.
1: Finding someone to perform an abortion isn't easy, as doctors can be fined or even jailed for advertising such services. Dornheim says she got in touch with the government-funded reproductive rights group Pro Familia.
2: They gave me a hand-copied list with uh, doctors in Berlin, which I then tried calling a few and some were uh, definitely less <laughs> welcoming, I'd say, or like more, yeah, I, I did not feel like they really wanted to give me the care I needed. The, the whole shame thing, like, well, it shouldn't be the situation and like, yeah, we're doing this, but we're not like happily doing it. So, of course, that's not the place where I'd wanted to go.
1: Ultimately, she found a doctor she was comfortable with.
2: For me, it was really, really important to have an abortion pills because I already felt like my life is so out of my hands. Like there's so many laws and people who feel like they are ruling over me now. The thought of like um, having anesthesia and to have someone perform surgery on me made me feel very, very uncomfortable. So, yeah, I asked this doctor um, about this, this option. And in Germany, it's still most abortions are performed by surgery for various reasons. But yeah, after talking with her and after um, explaining to her that I'm, I'm very confident with my own body and like I, I don't get easily scared of bleeding or something, she made that possible for me. Donheim
1: says she feels luckier than many women in Germany who try to terminate their pregnancies. She had strong support from her family and friends and lives in a city where those services are available. Even so, she says abortions must be decriminalized.
2: The law is in the same chapter as murder or armed robbery, right? And that is just absolutely not the place to regulate this procedure that so many women need. So I want to to 18, um, which is the paragraph that says that abortions are a crime, I want that to be erased.
1: That isn't likely, at least for now.
0: That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed, Joining me online to discuss abortion and whether there is a need for reform are Dr. Carolina Scherf, a German gynecologist in Wales, who spent part of last year at a Bremen clinic run by Pro Familia, a government-funded NGO for reproductive rights, and Alexandra Linde, who heads Bundesverband Lebensrecht, a Berlin-based association of German groups opposing abortion and which organizes the annual March for Life in Berlin. Welcome to you both. Thank you for the invitation. Welcome, Soraya.
3: Thanks for letting me be on the show.
0: Joining us in the studio is Constance Hochulowski, a public affairs expert who also chairs the Berlin chapter of Democrats Abroad. Welcome, Constance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Constance, what's the latest on the expected Supreme Court ruling in the United States? Are many states gearing up to act once the decision is dropped?
4: Absolutely. So the latest is that uh, we are expecting any day now a decision, a final decision by the Supreme Court, and given the draft decision by the majority that we saw, we should expect that the Supreme Court with a majority overturns Roe v. Wade. Of course, Democrats abroad and certainly Democrats in the United States, especially women and people living in Republican states, are incredibly fearful of this decision because what we're expecting is that the states that already in large part oppose abortion, and we know that either because they have enacted trigger laws, that means that they have enacted laws that would essentially immediately ban abortions in their states the second that Roe v. Wade, which provides the constitutional right at a federal level is overturned. And then there are other states, uh, we could go into tons of detail, um, that have over the last few years, enacted laws that essentially limit abortion to an extent that it would be illegal. And many of these states are certainly access uh, restricted. And that's the big fear.
0: Do you think prosecutors in the states that are preparing bans or or restrictions, massive restrictions over what they have now, are they going to go after women who seek abortions?
4: I believe so, yes. I think we've seen already in states that have put laws into place that hadn't in an interim period been challenged by the Supreme Court that women are being punished for having an abortion. And that is the huge uh, fear that we as Democrats have, that this is something that will affect especially Especially minority women, especially poor women um, and people who can get pregnant uh, when they need an abortion. They will be trying to travel thousands of miles in order to seek an abortion because they're fearful that prosecutors will go after women in these states. They're mostly conservative states and largely southern states.
0: It's interesting because in Germany, impending changes have been going in a somewhat different direction. The Bundestag, where the majority is a coalition of center-left Social Democrats, the Green Party, and liberal Federal Democrats, appears ready to strike down paragraph 219a that was enacted during Nazi times to ban the, quote, promotion of abortion. Carolina, why is striking down this rule important?
3: It is important because with this rule in place, women have found it very difficult to find information about how to access care when they need it. So when a woman needs an abortion, when the woman needs anything doing by a gynecologist, she would look online and she would search through different gynecological practices to see, for instance, service for colposcopy, like when you have an abnormal smear or services for infertility, or services specifically at cancer treatment. And all of that is outlined on the websites of each gynecologist. So if a woman looks for abortion care, which is just one part of gynecology, in fact, it's the most common treatment in gynecology, then she can't find that information in Germany at the moment. That's not because anyone in particular has a problem with the information being there, apart from a specific very small group of anti-abortion campaigners who will then go through great lengths to um, start criminal cases against these colleagues. They're just informing the women what treatment they have, whether they can treat with medical methods or with surgical methods and to what gestational age they can provide this and how that all works. They're not advertising it like the way you would advertise certain brand of cigarettes, which is what was meant to be discouraged. This is just informing about the treatments on offer.
0: But that can get you in trouble if you're a doctor in Germany. And we've seen doctors be punished here for announcing that they offer abortions. And of course, the most famous example is Dr. Christina Hennel, a general practitioner from a small city near Frankfurt, who was fined €6,000. So, Carolina, do the laws in Germany cut down on the willingness of doctors here to perform abortions?
3: I believe they do. As long as abortion services, any part of abortion services, is enshrined in criminal law, doctors will have a very major disincentive to engage in providing it. That then creates a problem with service provision. And that, in turn, has resulted in problems in Germany, and specifically that women in certain parts of Germany have to travel a very, very long way if they can access care at all.
0: Well, Alexandra, this plan for paragraph 219a is certainly a concern to your group. On your website, you have a statement from Doctors for Life that says this lack of information, which is, quote, postulated like a prayer wheel, is purely fictitious. What do you think is going to happen in Germany if 219a is stricken?
5: Um, Well, there are many things to say. First, the law says Uh, that you're not allowed to put such information on your website for your pecuniary advantage. That's what the law says. So the difference is every gynecologist can launch every day six information websites on abortion. He's just not allowed to put on there the information that he or she, him or herself, offers abortion and earns money by that. This is what the law says. The second point is... There is no lack of information in Germany. There are many, many serious information on abortion. Uh, But if you compare the serious information and, for example, the things Mrs. Handel publishes, Mrs. Handel is no doctor, Mrs. Handel is no gynecologist, and she only performs abortions and she says uh, concerning abortion in her advertisement folder that she removes pregnancy tissue the content of the uterus and an amniotic sac and this is misinformation because it just tells half of the truth so the fact in germany is We need this law because we have got a law concerning abortion, which says that abortion is no normal health service because, for example, pregnancy is no illness. So you must not have a treatment which heals you or which saves your life just because you are pregnant. And if you have long ways to travel, this is quite normal in Germany, if you, for example, want to have a certain cardiac operation or certain treatment for your knees, you always have to travel long distances. And if you want to have a birth in Germany, it's even worse. You have to go long ways because many, many birth stations in clinics are closing. There were only very, very few cases um, where people like Frau Henel had to pay something, but she acted against a law. So it's her fault and not the fault of the two or three persons in Germany uh, who inform ab- about um, uh, this problem. I do not agree to those people and we do not act this way. So the serious pro-life movement does not act in this way. Caroline, is there anything you want to say in
0: response? Because my understanding is that uh, Frau Hennel is, in fact, a general practitioner. I don't maybe, I mean, as far as I know, she's a doctor. I don't know her personally, but I'm curious uh, if you have the answer to that. And also, if there's just anything else you wanted to respond to.
3: I do have the answer to that and to many other questions, I think. I do not wish to discuss whether or not the 2019 is a good idea. I think my profession is very clear as is the WHO, as is even the German uh, Association of Gynecologists, as are the UK gynecologists and the European um, Society of Contraception, all of them want to decriminalise abortion altogether, not just the 2019. So I'm not going to argue about the principle because that's a medical fact. Making abortion accessible means that providing normal basic gynecological health care for women when they need it. It's no more, no less. It doesn't make abortion more frequent or anything like that. I don't even want to go there because it's completely futile. We can read that up somewhere else. Christina Heenel is, of course, a perfectly 100% qualified doctor. Um, it's a linguistic issue here. In English, the word Arzt and Doctor is the same word. In German, it is Arzt or arzt in this case. Um, the Germans have a different term, Doctor, which they describe someone who has an MD. So if someone has an MD in the UK, for instance, you're a doctor because you're an arts or an Aston, but you then have an MD that goes at the end of your name. So, for instance, I'm Dr. Caroline Scherf, MD, FRCOG, GI, blah, 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 blah lots of other letters behind my name. It's a different way of having the title. She's a perfectly acceptable general practitioner with all the qualifications she needs She's the most highly qualified abortion doctor in that part of the country. And she has taken up all the work from a lot of other gynecologists in that area. So I think she deserves a lot of praise. Luckily, she's got that praise from the great majority of people who uh, know her work. And she has all that praise from the patients who she looked after. And I really think that's who we need to think about. We need to think about women who need to access abortion care. That's who is at the center of this attention. It's not lawmakers. It's not people who don't like having an abortion. They don't need to have it when they need it or when they have an unplanned pregnancy. It is about women who are pregnant and cannot be pregnant at the moment and they need an abortion. Anything that criminalizes or puts it into law makes it more difficult to access. And I can go into a lot of detail, but actually it doesn't help. It's the general criminal law that will actually be off-putting for care providers.
0: Well, as you point out, I mean, and and as I said at the beginning, there are very strong opinions, obviously, on both sides. And I don't think any of us are going to necessarily convince the other today to change their opinion. But what I'm hoping for is a constructive and nuanced conversation that will hopefully inform people about how the process works, what are some of the changes that uh, you you all would see. So um, I I thank you again for being here and for keeping this hopefully a positive conversation. And, and, uh, you know, we we will move on. Alexandra, I wanted to ask you about uh, some Something that Laura Donheim says that she believes the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade will energize anti-abortion forces in Germany.
5: Do you agree? It's a good question. Um, well, the, in the USA, they are always some years further than in Germany, and in the USA, we can see the consequences, the negative consequences of decades of free abortion for example concerning the uh, afro-american women afro-americans have got a percentage in the population of uh, about 15 percent but among the abortions more than 30 percent are afro-american babies who are aborted i'm a little bit astonished that uh, dr scherf never talks about the children In this case it's very important to talk about all persons and all human beings who are involved in abortion. Um, The second thesis is we see that in all countries where abortion is legal and in the USA it was possible until about the 24th week when a baby can live uh, outside the womb of the mother. Now we have pregnancies of 18 weeks where the children can live outside the womb of a mother. So it's very useful and very important to consider this real medical progress and to reconsider such laws and such judgments. If you go to Wales and England, where abortion is practically free, and you see the numbers which are horribly high. You have uh, 210,000 abortions in 2020 in England and Wales, with a population of 49 million inhabitants. So the rate among 10,000 women in fertility age is 182. This is horribly high. And in Germany, with the actual law, where no woman who seeks an abortion gets an abortion denied, we have a rate of 56. So it might be that a real help for women is not to take the humanity from their children and not to say this is just tissue or amniotic sex, but to consider that women are not stupid, and we can only be honest to the women when we say, okay, we try to combine the right to life of the child and your real problems and your right to self-determination. This is, from our point of view, the only possibility and the only real goal we should have. We all want to help women, but we also have to consider the consequences for women and the children in such cases. And, of course, the judgment of the Supreme Court will have consequences in Germany. There are many, many people, also politicians, who have a look at abroad in other countries where it's legal. And they have to take one decision. Do we want to have more abortion? than legalize it. Do you want to have less abortion? Then find a better way. Constance, you've heard Carolina and Alexandra. Does any of what
0: they say resonate with you in terms of what you hear in the United States? Yes, much
4: of what Alexandra mentioned it are arguments that are also being made by those who oppose abortion in the United States and, to be honest, by the far right. Um, so they're arguing that we are dealing with a child and not an embryo. And scientists and doctors have proven essentially that that is not the case, right? We are not dealing with a child. We are dealing with a fetus. And the decision to have an abortion is to say I might not be able to carry this child, or I don't want to carry this child. And I think one thing uh, Alexandra mentioned um, in her last argument um, is that disproportionately African-American women or people of color in the United States have abortions, Um, and there are so many arguments out of the United States and and research out of the United States about why that is the case. Um, and that's the case because there are inequalities it, that exist in the United States that result in um, women of color, whether it's them living in poverty or not having access to birth control, for instance, that then puts them in a situation where they might be more likely to have an abortion. And so I think that is elemental that we discuss those policy issues. And um, and discuss how we need to be better on those policy issues and and discrimination that occurs in the United States. And vital is because there's such a huge discrepancy, it really shows that this issue in the United States is also a racial issue. And denying abortion to um, women, especially people of color, would increase um, those racist policies.
0: We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll talk more about changing abortion laws in the United States and Germany. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Abby, presenter and co-creator of Berlin Briefing. Do you find yourself having trouble understanding the news of the Hauptstadt, usually presented in German? If so, Berlin Briefing can help. We curate local top stories and present them in an eight to ten minute podcast in English every Monday through Friday. You can find us at berlinbriefing.de or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. I'm Verena Hütter, host of The Big Ponder, the Goethe Institute's transatlantic podcast, bringing abstract concepts to life through personal radio essays. Every other week our producers turn broad topics into captivating stories told from a US and German perspective. You can find all episodes of The Big Ponder on our website goethe.de as well as on your favorite podcast apps. And discover the stories behind The Big Ponder on our radio show Sounding The Big Pond. It is broadcast each Monday at 1pm Eastern Time on WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C. We do look forward to connecting With you. Welcome back to
0: Common Ground Berlin. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and we are talking about the future of abortions in Germany and the United States, given some monumental changes that are expected in both countries. My guests are Konstanz Hochulowski of Democrats Abroad in Berlin, Dr. Karolina Scherf, a German gynecologist based in Wales who worked last year in Bremen at a Pro Familia clinic, and Alexandra Linde, who heads Bundesverband Lebensrecht, an association of German groups opposing abortion that organizes the annual March for Life in Berlin. We've talked about the end to paragraph 219A, which will make it legal for doctors to offer information on pregnancy terminations on the Internet in Germany. Germany's ruling coalition is also exploring whether to get rid of paragraph 218, a law that for 150 years has criminalized abortions here. Carolina, do you expect that to happen? Is there an appetite to regulate abortion outside of the framework of the criminal code?
3: Yeah, I think there is a big appetite to regulate abortion outside of criminal law with anyone who's involved in it. As I said before, there are plenty of examples in other countries where that's the case, and it worked very well. The state of criminalization of abortion has no reference in relation to the actual abortion rate. There are some very variable countries who've managed to decriminalize abortion, such as the Republic of Ireland, with that famous votum in 2018. Canada has decriminalized it in, back in the 80s. Um, India and South Africa have had uh, no criminal law and is regulated there, and abortion is accessible. That does not mean anywhere that women come along and have an abortion just because it's such good fun. They hate it. They hate every minute of it, and they would rather not. And it is a last resort. So me as a doctor, my work will be a lot easier if I don't have to explain to a woman that it's okay, although the lawgivers in Germany are, are basically telling me as a doctor that I'm committing a crime. Because the way the law is written, the 218 is written, basically makes abortion a crime in whatever circumstances. The only difference is that if a woman has a compulsory um, conversation and then a compulsory waiting time of three days, the crime of committing the abortion is straffrei, and that in English means it's not gonna be punished. But in actual fact, I've committed um, several hundred crimes during my few months in Germany last year, just by providing abortion care which is mind-boggling because what I was doing is I was helping the woman who were in front of me. I was doing my job as a doctor because the person that I'm interested in is the person in front of me. And that's who I'm helping with very, very safe treatment in an usually, of course, very early situation because the Germans are efficient. They diagnose their pregnancy early. So they have their abortion treatment before there is anything even vaguely visible. And even they, feel so guilty because of all this crime business and because of gynecologists sending them away. And it's just really, really sad. Uh, Alexandra, what
0: about you? Do you think that paragraph 218 could be stricken and that abortions could be handled under the health code like other medical procedures are?
5: Um, Having been proved for decades by a very fantastic new science called embryology, a scientific branch proving that a human being is from the very first day of conception until end of life a human being and the person. It's not possible just to say, oh, I declare a pregnancy being an illness and abortion being a normal treatment. That does not mean that the women are criminalized, but the person who earn money by that are criminalized if they do not respect the law. And this is quite normal in all other cases dealing with the lives of people. And the problem in Germany is not that doctors are afraid of pro-life people like me, but they say, I want to be a doctor because I want to heal. I want to help. I do not want to kill people. And so I do not perform procedures like abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, or things like that. This is a conscientious objection of doctors who do not want to kill people. And everybody... Um, who sees an embryological book on page one knows that we are dealing with at least two people during an abortion and we cannot deny that this is very important to keep that in mind. And now I've forgotten your question. Well, no, the question I think because you're saying um, that it's
0: a person no matter what from the word go, and so therefore it can't be a medical procedure, it can't be uh, handled by the health code because it is a crime in your estimation. I
5: I do not say it, The, the end of the abortion, the result of an abortion is a dead human being. And so if there was the best law all over the world, we would have it all. It's a conflict. Sometimes it's a dilemma. It's a very hard situation for women. We know that because we deal with those women every day and help them every day. But you cannot say it's a quite normal healthcare procedure. This is the wrong way. Perhaps it's also the wrong way to say it's a crime or to call it a crime. But it's a procedure with at least one dead person in the end. And so you must find a regulation. All persons can live with or all persons can deal with it's very hard to find one but you you never must forget at the end is the death of a person. And you cannot say, oh, well, these are no persons. These are no humans. It's just embryos or fetus. A fetus is just a scientific word for a baby
0: before birth. No, I think it's a legal, at least it's a legal um, designation in the US. It is not a person. For example, if you kill a pregnant mother and the baby is not viable, I think some states will say eight months, some will say six months. It's not like you've murdered two people. That's not how the law looks at it. I'm assuming, and, and, and I can be corrected. If, I mean, I'm not an expert on German law but it seems that there would be a similar provision here so I understand that that's your belief and I respect your belief but I'm just saying legally it's not a dead person uh, uh, it's not like it Ka- uh, Carolina has killed hundreds of people because she just worked sentence, in
5: soraya mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in Germany you can when, when your mother dies before your birth, you are included and registered person who get the money from your mother. So you are registered as a person before birth if, for example, your parents die. This is law in Germany. Okay, Constance, I want to talk a little bit about abortion costs,
0: which are generally not covered by public health insurance in Germany. Is that the case in the U.S. nowadays? Because I clearly remember it being covered by some American insurance plans back in the 80s.
4: Yeah, I will admit, Sarai, I don't know. Depending on either insurance plan and state, I do believe that most of the time abortion costs are out of pocket, um, and that is why so many women and people who can be pregnant in the United States depend on services like Planned Parenthood, where they know that they can get an abortion even outside of sort of their insurance. So we know that costs will go up um, if Roe v. Wade is overturned alone through the fact that women will need to travel to. Other states, if they are living in Minnesota, Mississippi, if they're living in Texas, if they're living in Oklahoma, many other states, uh, there are 26 uh, sort of states on the books essentially that have um, either trigger laws or abortion laws in place uh, ahead of the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that will then likely be in effect if um, Dobbs v. Jackson overturns Roe v. Wade. Um, And that means alone, you know, the cost to get somewhere else and to find out where you can access care will certainly increase.
0: Carolina, we've talked a lot about patients accessing abortions, but I want to explore this from the doctor's vantage point a bit. Are abortions taught in medical schools or in residencies in Germany? And by that, I mean both those induced by pills or those performed surgically. I mean, is there training or, again, is this something that medical schools are loath to teach because of the inherent controversy around it?
3: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's an ongoing discussion and there is a little bit of disagreement last time I looked in Germany. So some of the German colleagues in the gynecology uh, circles believe there is training and there is enough teaching on it. And many medical students and other junior doctors have said, well, there isn't because I still don't know how to do it. And I'm learning how to become a gynecologist. I believe, I have to hold my hand up here because I'm not directly involved in training German doctors. I'm very much involved in doing the same thing in the UK, so I can talk about that, but you're not really interested.
0: No, you can tell me about how it is done in the UK. I mean, after all, we're one giant European uh, family here, right?
3: It, it is. I mean, in the UK, is the same situation as Germany because it is criminal law here. It is still a crime to commit an abortion, but you, it's not a crime if you fulfill certain criteria which involve two doctors' signatures and all that. But the training has also been massively discussed and has kind of, you know, died a death about 10, 15 years ago. We realized that there just weren't enough doctors because everybody was retiring and there weren't enough doctors to provide treatment. And then different treatments came about and it all became a little bit simpler and the training was incorporated. So the two big colleges here, which is the RCOG, the um, Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health, they oversee the basic specialist training. We've got a specialist... Obsen doctor and also a specialist sexual health doctor. Both of those specialties have very firmly embedded in their training modules on abortion care. So they will learn um, how that works. They can have, we talked briefly, I mean, Alexandra was talking about contentious objection. Conscientious objection, just like it is with other difficult areas of medicine, is also a thing in abortion care. And some doctors will make this Uh, clear and will say, well, yes, I do want to learn how abortion care works because I need to look after the woman maybe afterwards, but I do not wish to perform it. And every doctor is free to say that. So, you know, nobody's being coerced into performing an abortion if they feel that that's not within their conscience. No woman is, of course, being forced to have an abortion either. And there are women who are very, very undecided and uh, do have lots of visits and then come back and say, actually, I've just booked with a midwife. I'm having this baby after all. And at that point, she'll call it a baby even if it's only an 8 weeks pregnancy. Um, so, you know, it is a very, very individual thing, isn't it? At what point does a woman say this is a baby? At what point is the woman actually interested in what that fetus looks like on an ultrasound scan or embryologically? And sometimes I do have that discussion with our patients. They are very interested and they want to know. And some of them just like Alexandra said, will perhaps even base their decision on that. But that is the exception. Most women realize that they cannot have a child because they've already got six or because their husband has just beaten them up and they need to leave him, or because they've just lost their job. There are so many different reasons. And then they say, well, yes, what is it? And I will describe the detail they want to know. And then we make a decision um, depending on what she wants to do. But it has to be jointly and it's a decision between the doctor and the woman and sometimes she will involve perhaps a partner or a friend but usually it's the doctor and the woman who will find the right solution just like for antenatal care antenatal care as we rightly said pregnancy is not a disease so pregnancy is a result of having sex and pregnancy can end in abortion pregnancy can end in miscarriage or an ectopic or another abnormal pregnancy Pregnancy can also end in full-term delivery if you're lucky of a healthy baby. Sometimes you're not so lucky and it's a tragedy and either the baby or even the mother dies. And that happens a lot more often than something awful happening to somebody who's having an abortion. So I think every woman has the right to think about, do I want to undertake this dangerous thing? Do I really want to go through all that because I really, really want a baby? So I'm doing it now and I'm risking my life, literally, because it's dangerous, even if it's normal. So all these things have to be individual decisions between the doctor and the woman, and nobody externally can actually make that decision any better.
0: Alexandra, federal figures here in Germany show that abortions are on the decline, dropping to under 95,000 last year compared to uh, about 131,000 in 1996. In fact, one statistic I saw said seven women per 1,000 get an abortion here, which is one of the lowest rates in Europe. What do you think accounts for that decline and for that low number? Uh, Well, it's not really a
5: decline because the abortion rate has been constantly on about 59 per uh, 10,000 women. Um, If there is a small decline, uh, it's good, whatever the reason is. I think it's a social uh, thing, we always talk about um, the patients, the women every day. Most of them in Germany, I can, I can speak for Germany, are under great pressure, especially pressure by the men involved, by the father of the child, for example. So most of the women in Germany say, I would have this baby if, so my solution of the problem or our solution of the problem should be how can we help these women to fulfill their real wish to have the baby this is the first thing we never see the surrounding of the woman Uh, for example if you do a teleconsulting you do not know is there somebody sitting there and pressuring this woman Uh, most of the women in germany are under pressure and if you have a law where a consulting is necessary. You first have the opportunity to talk in neutral, anonymous manner about the real problems you have. Then in most cases the child is not a real problem. Mostly the problem existed before. So the consulting is that you to help women to see the problems and to find a solution for the problem. So when you're
0: talking about consulting, just to make it clear, you're talking about the three
5: days? That you know, not a consulting. No, the consulting is before. You go to the. Um, if you want to not to be punished in Germany, uh, you go within the first 14 pregnancy weeks to a consulting, and after the consulting you get a documentation. This documentation is your allowance to go to an abortion three days later. And what we see is that you have to help women solve the problems what what constant said about the um, afro-american women in the usa why do we not help them to prevent the situation of an unwanted pregnancy? Why do we not help them to get, for example, contraception or to get preventive lessons or to help in any other way so that all these women do not get in this situation? This is the real solution. And why do we not have to solve the real problems? Because most of the women say, I would like to have a baby, but I can't have it. So I think abortion as solution is the wrong way for the women and so the german law gives them a chance by this consultation to get help and the social feeling is we have to help this woman because she is in a perhaps tragic situation and we have to help her. And so in Germany it's a little bit better than in other countries. Yeah, I'm not sure
0: I agree and I think Constance was about to jump in too. Uh, Go ahead, Constance. What were you going to say? Yeah,
4: Alexandra, I would just argue that what you're saying is taking agency away completely from women. I understand you're saying that uh, some women are put under pressure. I think that is a very select few, actually. And instead, women are the best people to make the decision about whether or not they want to carry and have um, a child.
0: Let me just um, ask Carolina one uh, last question to wrap it up, and then uh, we're going to have to call it a day because we're already over time here. So, Carolina, do you expect that women in Germany are going to have a more difficult or easier time getting abortions in the foreseeable future, given the changes that are coming about and the discussions that are being had here?
3: I'm hoping it will be slightly simpler gradually, because the existing Clinics and doctors are able to provide a bit more detail so the women understand what they need to do about Beratungsschein and Kostenübernahme and all that running around that they have to do. But it will take some time. And I think the uh, move that this law is going means that the German public and the German government have a general drift into the right direction, into accepting that this is a fairly common situation that needs to be provided within the usual healthcare services. And yes, pregnancy is not an illness, but healthcare is not just about illness. Healthcare is also about managing pregnancies and their outcome and about prevention. So contraception goes there, which German women have to pay for and abortion goes there that German women also have to pay for. And the last thing I wanted to say is that the rates in Europe are hugely variable and they do not necessarily relate to how difficult it is to obtain the abortion. The statistics in Germany imply that it's gone down. But if you ask someone like me, I would say that's because women have actually figured out that there are ways outside the law how to obtain abortion treatment. And that is becoming more and more commonplace. These are, of course, unrecorded abortion treatments. And there are some publications that you can find in the usual journals in the English literature, the British Journal of Sexual and Reproductive Health, for instance, the BMJ Journal. There was a report about the uh, increased requests from German women to certain online Internet providers. And that was even before the pandemic. So my suspicion with all the pandemic difficulties and access and travel and all the rest of it, that number will have gone up and those figures will soon be published. So they're out there.
0: Okay, that's all the time we have today. My guests were Alexandra Lindo, who heads Bundesverband Lebensrecht, a Berlin-based association of German groups that organizes the annual March for Life in Berlin, Dr. Karolina Scherf, a German gynecologist who works in the UK and Germany, and Konstanz Chocholowski, a public affairs expert who chairs the Berlin chapter of Democrats Abroad. Thanks to all of you for being on Common Ground Berlin. Thank you. Thank
3: you, Soraya. Thank you, thank you.
0: And thank you for listening to our podcast. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed and our social media editor is Stefano Montali. Former intern Abigail Meginson also contributed to and helped produce this episode. Common Ground Berlin is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. Our partners are the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Goethe Institute. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast. If you are on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground Berlin. You can also subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, CommonGroundBerlin.com.